This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, our coverage of the conflict in Ukraine continues with Stepan Burko, a policy advocate who's in Western Ukraine. We learn more about Russian tactics, why Ukrainians are staying put, and the attitude of Ukrainians toward Russians. It's very humbling, and you need to hear it. Imagine having your dream job, and it all revolves around sneakers. Shireen Adras, eBay Canada's head of sneakers, tells us about the growing sneaker market and culture, plus the upcoming Vancouver SneakerCon event, which they are a part of. If you've ever wondered about buying online and getting authenticated that you are buying the right thing. eBay's got some answers to help out with some new technology they're using. Plus, it's back here on the podcast, Game Showy. Today's version is all about travel. This is the Shift Podcast. It's time for Game Showy. That's right. Welcome to Game Showy. It's a game show with an E on the end because we couldn't come up with a better name. What are we going to do? Trivia. Today's trivia is all about travel. Categories today include travel destinations, ways to travel, and travel facts. Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, well, thanks, Bob, with the fantastic cat agories. Fantastic. I love cat agories. Not as much as <laughs> I love dog agories. Oh, I'm very excited for this edition of Game Showy because the last couple of two have been very tight, uh, very competitive. Brendan Kelly absolutely mopped the floor with Shane last time. Uh, hey. And this might be a chance for some redemption right here. for Shane Hewitt. I'm sitting right here. I'm just presenting the facts. Yeah, it's just the facts. Yeah. It's just the facts. So uh, let me you tell you the rules before you jump right in. Uh, yeah. if, if you get the answer right, you get to hear this lovely sound. Ooh, I don't know if that one. You, yeah, we all love that one. If you get it wrong, you hear this. Wrong. Wrong. And keep a keep an ear out for the bonus question there is a secret Ooh. question hidden within these uh trivia questions bonus. worth two points and a new rule if or sorry rather you get both of you get to rely on the text line once in this game showy you can use your text the line power so you can text in at 877-399-9898 and help them out. If you think you know the answer, give them some help. Uh, can I give out my personal numbers too for for a second? <laughs> you, for direct you go line. ahead. Yeah, <laughs> See how that works. That's, yeah, that sounds like something you want to do. All right. So, uh, Brendan, you won last time, but you won by such an absurd margin that I'm going to let yeah. Shane pick first. That's only fair. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fair. So okay. you well, pick from the three categories. Would you like to hear well, them? The, the announcer guy needs to get started. Yeah. The announcer guy started talk. with me. Now let's get started with Game Showy. That's good. Okay. Let's, let's get started. <laughs> with, let's get started with Game Showy. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh so you want to uh recap i said the or i mean the voice the strange voice guy up in the booth in the corner had said those categories do you want to just re uh re yeah, yeah reintroduce yeah, those you. for me yeah. so we have uh travel destinations uh ways to travel and travel facts travel factoids 
All right. All right. All right. You ready? I am ready. This is exciting because and stuff. All right. Uh, so I got to pick a category, right? Mm-hmm. Pick a category. Right. That's how this works. Mm. I'm going to go with ways to travel, Ryan, of the uh, mm-hmm. the categories. Travel destination, ways to travel, and travel facts. I'm going ways to travel. Ways to travel. All right. I think you'll, uh, you might actually uh, have some insight on this. I know you'd find this interesting. Here's your question. What is the most expensive flight in the world? Here Thanks. are your options. New York to Singapore with Virgin Atlantic. San Francisco to Abu Dhabi with Ithaid Airways. I think that's how you say it. Ithaid. Ithaid. Correct me if I'm wrong. Another uh, Middle Eastern airway. Los Angeles to Dubai with Emirate Airlines. Or New York to Hong Kong with Lufthansa. I don't like what's with these weird names. Lufthansa? I don't know. Weird names. Anyway, those are your options. <laughs> Lufthansa. Lufthansa. Lufthansa? I don't know. Lufthansa. 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 Oh, Lufthansa. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go uh, LA to um, um, uh, the United Arab Emirates. I believe that was an option. Dubai. Um, with Dubai with uh, Emirates. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's my, that's my guess. That's your guess. Your guess is incorrect. <laughs> Off to Bro. a rough start. Bzzz. Brennan Kelly, you, uh, yeah. would you like to guess? Um, I am going to go with, what was that? Oh, I don't know. New York to Singapore. <laughs> okay. With Virgin Atlantic. Yeah. San Francisco to Abu Dhabi. With yeah. Ethed Airways. Right mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm New York to Hong yeah. Kong. Lufthansa. Lufthansa. I will never be able to okay. say that. I'll go with New York to Hong Kong with Lufthansa. Lufthansa. That is, well, there's the, the very snobby name should have sold it for you. Yes, it is New York to Hong Kong. It costs $43,000 round trip. Wow. Germany's flagship carrier thinks they're on the ground personal assistance, standalone seats, Beds, in-flight air humidifiers, bespoke toilery kits, Marcus Del Monaco selected wine list, and a Michelin-starred culinary offering is worth the price of forty-three thousand dollars. Oh, wow! I find Isn't that crazy. The notion of standalone seats to be very ironic. Yeah, a standalone. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, you're getting ripped off. You, sir, your seat is not a seat stand in the corner. We yeah, arrive in 12 much. hours. Enjoy. All right. All right. Well done, Brennan. Okay. Way to, Brennan way to Kelly Google. off to a, yeah, a, a one to nothing lead. Brennan, yeah, Google. please pick a category. Uh, worked, Brennan probably worked for Lufthansa at some yeah, point. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how I knew. Would, yeah. Surprise yeah. Me. I used to, I was a. Flight attendant on that exact flight. Um, <laughs> uh, so Shane picked what was the category? He just that was ways, ways to, travel, to, to travel, which is the cost have. of travel. Because mm-hmm. technically, the ways to travel was e uh, airplane. But okay, yeah. Uh, well, I have some other <laughs> non-airplane questions on there. But that's what uh, I thought it was going to be like ways, international ways to travel would be ocean like, liner, or, yeah, boat yeah. or cruise ship or yeah. car. I mean, that's what I thought I was getting Elon into. Elon Musk rocket. Exactly. Okay. Mm. One day. Root over. Uh, 
I'll go with travel destination. Travel Ooh. destinations. Okay. Uh, let's do. Uh, let's do this one. Yes. What is the northernmost capital city that you can fly or take a boat and then a car or however you want to get there? Regardless, what is the most northern capital city in the world? Is it London, England? Stockholm, Sweden? Rick. Reykjavik, which I, Reykjavik, I think it's Reykjavik, Reykjavik. in Iceland. Yeah, that's or not my answer, though. Well, he's answering it before you even get to this, because it's no. obvious. Like, this is the worst question ever. That's not my answer. I was saying I was just giving you how to pronounce it. Pronounce it. Oh. Well. Uh, the, well, okay. Well, I'm just going to remind that the other option was Edmonton. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm actually going to go with, uh, Stockholm, right? Stockholm is close, but incorrect. Wrong. No, I guess it Wrong. was Reykjavik then. Oh, damn. Shane Hewitt, take your Reykjavik. guess. Reykjavik. It is, it is, it, that is correct. It is Reykjavik. Yay! It is at I a tried hard, staggering the, the, latitude the, the, yeah. of 64 degrees north. I'm looking at it like I, in my mind. I'm looking at a flat, flat uh, map. That's very wrong. Is round. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's just yeah. Like, yeah, so. wouldn't um, Edmonton? Wouldn't it be Ottawa? Would be the city you'd actually choose? Well, that was it. Was going to be a trick question. It was uh, that was kind of the idea. But Edmonton is very like the latitude is very high. It's 53 degrees mm-hmm. north. It's quite mm-hmm. high. Northern. You, know, most you don't have to tell that to city and everyone who's listening on 6 30 chad and it's really yep. cold and snowy tonight mm-hmm. sorry guys yeah all right well we got one 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 to right. one Shane, okay pick your category so, yeah i'm gonna go with the uh i'm gonna go with the travel facts please category ryan travel facts it is let's do it uh let me scroll down and find a good one okay if you're gonna go to austria you probably want to make sure you have a nice long vacation to enjoy the beautiful mountains, the scenery, the uh, food, and the strangely named towns. Now, if you live in Austria, you're pretty lucky because you are offered the most amount of mandatory vacation days of anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. How many do they get? Okay. This must be offered by the employer. Okay. Your option is 14, Wrong. 22, mm-hmm. 30, mm-hmm. or 16. Wrong. Um, guessing because it's the most in the world. Yeah, that was a clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Ryan there. And uh, 14 seems weird. I'm going to go with 22. Uh, I'm tempted to go with 30. Um, okay, I'm going with 22. 22 is that is correct yes very very good the most generous country in the world 22 paid vacation days per year oh, i didn't know that i love that i yeah. knew that it's actually in the book. vacation days this this week it's in the book i'm reading i just read that like oh, really? about oh, a really? week ago yeah about Oof. market economics very exciting read but yeah it's very it was talking about vacation <laughs> huh. around the world and i remember reading that 
Huh, there huh. you go. All right. So there, yeah, Yay. Interesting travel destination. Brennan Kelly, two. you're down two to one. Can we, can, can we uh, recap the score? Can you recap the score one more time? Two to one. And Shane. who's down? Uh, Brennan Kelly is down, oh, Shane. Had an okay, even good. amount of questions, yeah. So, like, Brennan Kelly start, is down two to one. You could start, you know, hey, boisterously I, gloating after I get this question I need wrong. To take my moments to shine here because I don't get many of them. No, you so. don't. You mm-hmm. really don't. <laughs> I've actually been paid to throw this one just to make you feel better. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't feel good. Adorable. <laughs> psychological. I now. was feeling so good. You're reading a book on psychology and oh yeah, uh, are you? read all that. Yeah, and I was a psychologist for a bit. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> all right. Okay, doctor, well, you're up. Yeah, um, okay. So oh. let's go with ways to travel. Ways to travel. Okay. Yeah. Well, if it's, it's is uh, by boat or by plane, I quit. It is. Uh, nope. Maybe this train. is a this is a boat question. Oh boy. Well, I like boats. So, the largest cruise ship in the world. It is about to launch tomorrow. It sets sails tomorrow. It is 1,188 feet long. It's enormous. Uh, Just for comparison, the length of the Titanic was... I I don't know what that is in meters, Google. Man, I really should have paid more attention in math. Was 882. So that's a lot more than the Titanic. 882 feet compared to 1,182. Big. So, massive ship. The question is, what's its name? Is it the Wonder of the Seas? Is it Poseidon's Trident? Is it (laughs) the Crown Princess? Titanic 2 Electric Boogaloo? Or (laughs) (laughs) the Titan? Of the seas. Ooh. I will go with the wonder of the seas because I read this earlier today. Oh, oh dang it. Well, that is, uh, yeah, that is correct. The oh. Royal of the Sea, sorry, it is Royal Caribbean's or Caribbean's Wonder of the Sea. Uh, it launches tomorrow from Fort Lauderdale and will sail to the Caribbean March 4th. There you go. We've got a tie, gentlemen. I thought, um, thought some 80s split ends. Six months in mm-hmm. Leaky Boat Six was going to be a, Leaky Boat, yeah. thought that was going to be a distraction. I was trying to play some psychological warfare there. Okay, next category I get to pick. Uh, you do. I am leading 2-2. Let's go with... Um, <laughs> <laughs> huge, huge lead. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm going to go back to travel destination, Ryan. Uh, I feel like I'm going back to travel destination. Okay, that's travel right, that's destinations. You got it. Is, okay, well... Is that right or wrong? Do I win? Uh, it, you, that is correct. And uh, you've got a yes! big opportunity here because oh. you have, congratulations, ah. found the bonus question. <gasps> yes. This question. He, he should is get worth points off for points. speaking over the production, the lovely production that you put together there. Very nice. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm, gonna, I'm I, making yeah. a list. I got three points for knowing how to save Lufthansa, so. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you actually that. should get points for that. It's hard. All right. Here's your question, Shane. Okay. What is the smallest country in the world by landmass? Oh, by landmass? Yes. Is it the island nations of 
Nauru? Is it the city of Monaco? Is it the tiny nation of Luxembourg? Or is it the Vatican City? Oh, the smallest nation by landmass mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Can you read them just all quickly? One, two, three, four again. Vatican City, Luxembourg, yeah. Monaco, uh-huh. or Nauru? Uh-huh. Monaco. I'm going with Monaco, uh, Pat. Oh, I'm so sorry, Shane. That is incorrect. Yeah, can I go? Can I go? Like can I go? Brandon Kelly. You probably read yeah, it this morning. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> yeah. is the Vatican. I don't think a it, Catholic uh, schoolboy would know that. Mm-hmm. It is the Vatican City. Yes. The Vatican. Really? Brandon Kelly, two points there. The Vatican City is the smallest country in the world. It is just 0.2 square miles, which makes it 120 times smaller than the island of Manhattan. It's tiny. Wow. It's just I didn't know that. nestled inside of Rome. Very small. Actually, you know what? That really was my guess in my mind, but then I, I got in my head, man. Mm. I was like, what would Brendan like, Kelly do? Trust your gut more. <laughs> trust your gut. I'm going to get a bracelet. WWBKDo.com. Probably look at a spreadsheet of some kind. I guess I should. What would mm-hmm. Jesus do? It would probably be more appropriate under the tone of the music, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I think we got time to uh, to uh, to do one more because we got to get Let's the third question in. All right, Brandon Kelly, you, you you're over. up two points, but. Let's see who gets the last question, the one that people remember. Yeah, so either this is this is big because either I win by three or win, or by, win one. by one. <laughs> what do you mean win by three? Because oh I'm up God. by two right now. I get it. I know. You're cheating. Yeah, if I win by three, I win by one. So, yeah. When he says he read a book this morning, by the way, I'm pretty sure it's I scrolled ahead to the questions and answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just mad that I know things. I am mad that you know yeah. things. Doesn't mean it doesn't. That's okay. I'm allowed to be mad at you. Yeah. Okay. I'm allowed to have feelings. It's yeah. 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can take the day off work tomorrow because I have mad feelings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I'll just host because I'm the smart one anyway. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Yes, did you hear that? That was a vo- that is volunteering. Uh, you heard it here. He said it. I'm going to hold him to it. Uh, he uh, see Ryan's off tomorrow, so uh-huh. I will do Ryan's job. Uh-huh. Brendan can do my job, and Sheldon's going to do Brendan's job. What could go wrong? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'll go with uh, travel facts. It was travel facts. Yep. It is all right. Here it is. What city has the most amount of hotel rooms? Is it New York, Paris, Tokyo, Rio de Janeiro, or Las Vegas? What is Bram, Manitoba? Or or Flim Flon. (laughs) (sighs) What are all those again? New York, Vegas, Paris, Tokyo, Rio de Janeiro. Uh, Vegas. Brennan Kelly takes it with three points. It is correct, despite Vegas being a pretty small city, of course uh, and Tokyo of course being yeah. a city of over thirty million people. It is easier to find a place to stay in Vegas. There are over a hundred and fifty-two thousand different hotel rooms in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I don't know how still- it is. This is the conspiracy that Brennan always gets the easy questions. 
Oh, yeah. They're all so easy. The Titanic electric boogaloo? Really? <laughs> that was a joke question. I added that one in for fun. <laughs> I gave a bunch of different... I got creative with the ship names there. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. All right. Well, uh, we need to uh, hit the theme song and get ourselves uh, mm-hmm. out of this disaster. Thanks for listening to Game Showy, where Brendan Kelly and Ryan O'Donnell are conspiring behind the scenes with payoffs and cash advances. It's like living in Russia. Um, with the payoffs. No? All right. Congratulations, BK, on cheating your way to another. Uh. This is the Shift Podcast. Through the course of the last week or so, and it's hard to believe it's really been a little over a week that this has been going on. It feels like it's been going on for a long time, and at the same time, it feels like it's just begun. And I'm sure our perspective pales in comparison to that of Stepan Burkle, uh, who is in Ukraine and joins us now. Stepan, are you there? Yes, hello. Thank you for uh, being with us here again on The Shift over the last few days. Uh, you know, we haven't spoken to you here. Wanted to check in and see if you uh, are you okay? Are you guys safe where you are with the family? Yes, we're safe. Uh, we are here in Lviv, Western Ukraine. Uh, here the situation is more or less okay. So no shelling for now, but uh, still uh, air raids and... Uh, yeah, sometimes we have to uh, wait in basements. But compared to other cities like Kiev, Kharkiv, we are safe. Uh, what are you seeing from? We've got our news that are coming. That's coming in, obviously, from international sources and everything else. Um, it looks like the things have being are starting to get turned up on the eastern border, but not not a, a bunch when it comes to Kiev and, and, and those areas. Am I seeing the same thing that you're seeing by being there? Um, I mean, in my view, the, the situation is as follows. So the Russians, they were not able to get the big cities like Kiev, Kharkiv. They have advanced uh, in, in south to Kherson and even they're right now standing near one of our nuclear power plants. And uh, since they don't have enough uh, forces to enter the cities and capture them, what they're doing, they're shelling them with rockets. And uh, uh, first they started with uh, some, I don't know, precise rockets, you know, they're, they're shooting some precise uh, targets, but now they're shooting with everything they have. And uh, uh, I mean, just last evening, they shot four big rockets in Kiev downtown. Uh, and what is uh, really interesting, they shot near the railway station where there were crowds, like thousands of people evacuating from the city. Uh, it seems that this... Uh, uh, attacks are deliberate, and their 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 focus and their aim is to you know pa- to create panic and uh, to uh, force Ukrainians to surrender because of this panic. Um, our our military are saying that they uh, have uh, uh, established this um, balance when uh, Russians cannot advance anymore, and military our military is trying to. Uh, uh, you know, counterattack. Uh, but still, this is uh, uh, 
the rockets are the main problem because they're shooting uh, civilian areas, they're shooting residence areas, and uh, we have already more than 2,000 civilian deaths uh, during this week. So what people are saying here is that we need to somehow eliminate these rockets because uh, uh, if our military are not afraid to uh, combat with Russians, uh, our civilians have nothing to shield themselves from these rockets. And uh, even staying in the basement doesn't help if your building is completely destroyed and then you have no way to get out of the basement and you basically die in this basement with no supplies. That's something what almost happened uh, yesterday uh, in one of the small towns near Kiev where the city was, uh, the town was completely destroyed, but people were on, in basements and they couldn't get out. So luckily, uh, after two days, uh, our uh, forces could get them out. But this is this is only situation that was documented. I'm I'm sure that there are so many other uh, places where this has happened, and nobody could help these people. So our our main our main our, uh, problem that we see now is these rockets shelling residential areas. Communication must be difficult. Uh, Stepan Berko is uh, in Lviv on the west end of Ukraine. Communication has been, um, must be difficult at the, you know, at the best of times through this. I, from my understanding, the cellular networks internet has stayed fairly strong. Um, communication, uh, into Russia has been shut down in and around, uh, social networks and all of those things. And, and yet from the outside step, and we're seeing, we're seeing so many people that are, are going live um, on Instagram and sharing their stories, Telegraph, and so much more. How is it that you can communicate with family, friends, and colleagues all over Ukraine and and still sort of protect yourself? I, do you have to try to stay a little bit anonymous of as to where you are and to whom you're speaking? Hmm. I even haven't thought about that. Uh, no, actually, no. I, I don't think I don't think people are anonymous on, on social media, or are maybe some the, maybe those who are in uh, territorial defense or in, in or in the uh, armed forces. They're not allowed to, you know, uh, tell where they where exactly they are. Uh, but uh, generals, you know, public the the, the civilians, they are very open uh, about where they are, what's going on, and how they are suffering from what Russians are doing. So I think what you were saying, these uh, precautions are—they only apply, are applied to to those who are fighting. Yeah, there was an amazing story that I had shared uh, just before we connected with you, Stepan, about a man his his family had left the country and he was signing up as a volunteer, and he promised his daughter that he would post on TikTok to uh, where he was uh, when he was alive, so he could he could update her. And it would have been a couple of days since he has been able to post and how he was posting silly dancing. Uh, on TikTok, just so we could show his daughter that he was okay. So it's amazing when we look at the world today and what this looks like. That um, that that's how you know dads are communicating to their kids in today's world. It must be difficult for you as a dad to sit back. I mean, have you? I I don't ask from a threatening way. I I do ask out of curiosity. At what point do you consider, you know, having your family leave and? Um, and then staying behind yourself, you know, that must be a difficult, how do you even think about that? 
Well, you, you, you see, I'm, I'm a person with uh, no military experience and I was thinking about joining territorial defense. And even yesterday we went to the uh, armed forces to, to sign up, but they, they told us that they only need those who have experience and they will uh, refer to the others like us only if, I mean, if they have not enough, you know, people with no experience, even, even then, but we talked about this uh, with my wife and we decided that until we are more or less safe here in Lviv, we're not leaving because uh, here we at least have some conditions. We are in our, with our, with my parents, we are, we are in our own country. We are helping our armed forces. We're volunteering. We're, we're doing different stuff to, 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 to help the country. When you leave uh, to another country, you're basically you can't do nothing to help mm-hmm. and uh, you only, you know, uh, are uh, waiting somewhere for this to end, but we don't know when will this end. It could last for years. So we decided that until it is uh, uh, really dangerous for our lives, for lives of our kid, for of our kid, of our kid, yeah, and, and of my wife will stay, will stay here. Uh, Stefan Burko is in Lviv in the uh, west end of Ukraine. Stefan, some of the stuff that's going on in Russia right now around money, they haven't opened their market. They've been adding a 30% premium commission on buying international currencies. And they've basically been picking the pockets of their own citizens while blindly lying to them about what's going on. So... I mean, I guess it becomes more and more clear how Ukraine is so different. And yet, when you look at Ukraine, you have, there was a video today about a soldier who, uh, a Russian soldier who had sort of surrendered because whatever he was doing broke down or whatever. And what he was met with was, you know, he was eventually sort of, I guess, arrested. I don't know what you'd call it. But um, the locals gave him tea and food and fed him and let him call his mom to let her know that, he was okay before um, off he went to to go be you know the prisoner of of the war. So it's such a stark contrast in the way that things are are going uh, between the Russian government and then the people of Ukraine. Um, I guess that's what we're we're sort of learning about that. Is it difficult to look at this and be upset with the Russian government and still have compassion for the people of Russia from your side? Mm, it is difficult to have compassion to people, to uh, Russian soldiers. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, when we, I mean, when me and my friends, we, we saw some pictures of uh, burned Russian tanks, we feel happy because those tanks are shelling our, our people, our kids and uh, yeah, our people. But when you see then, you know, the burned bodies of Russian soldiers, you start thinking that, uh, I mean, they are enemies, but as soon as they are defeated, we have to be, you know, show humility to them because they're, I mean, we are not some uh, totalitarian country with uh, hate to people as, you know, general human beings. We just don't want anyone to go to our land and kill us. So I think this is uh, sometimes really uh, difficult for those who are very close to the front lines to show this humility because these people are real danger, real threat to their lives. 
and you know when emotions are prevailing it's really hard to 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 be human and i'm i'm really happy that i see this experience of ukrainians showing this humility because when we win this war and i'm sure that we will we still have to build a society of you know democratic society society of people that respect human rights and respect each other and uh, i think that uh, this war is also one of the instruments of russia to change our society because they understand that we have changed a lot since the 30 years of our independence we've built some institutions we've we've built some you know we, we were culturally different and you know war is something it's it's uh, something that changes your uh, view of world you become more aggressive you become seeing the world as black and white and probably during the war time it's uh, it makes sense but we also have to think about the future when we win we we have to rebuild our society and it has to be democratic it has to be about respecting people that are others and uh, I'm, i'm really happy that ukrainians show this this uh, this um, you know that they have uh, this future in their minds but when you're talking about you know russians and how they are responding to this war i just had today a talk with my wife who has relatives in russia and i asked them what do you think how they are seeing this war did they change their view of their government and us and uh, she she told me she doesn't believe that they that they changed uh, their view because it, and it's not because the, of the propaganda only but um, because many people in russia they really like and really believe what putin is telling them putin is not you know some crazy mastermind that captured russia and uh, used propaganda to fool people uh, to believe what he is believing or sometimes i hear from my guys my friends from uh, you know from the west that the russian people will will organize an uprising and overthrow putin this is something that uh, this is a mistake because we don't really understand how russia works russian society is very uh, i wouldn't say conservative but it's uh, it has these you know uh, thoughts about imperial empire russian empire and how they are greater than other nations and unfortunately this is really popular among regular russians and putin managed to uh, you know capture this power his his power in, in the government for 20 years because he was using these um feelings of russians and uh, i saw many videos on facebook uh, or youtube where russians are you know destroying uh iPads or iPhones saying we don't care about these sanctions we are supporting our president because he's fighting for a great cause we'll we'll fight these now nationalists or uh, now fascists or now nazis in ukraine and this is just ordinary people they have access to social media they can choose what they want to read they can read bbc they can read you know uh even russian media in russian that tell truth about what's going on in ukraine many media in ukraine are providing information in russian but they choose not to do this and it's not because of propaganda it's because they feel this way and that's something i am afraid i'm worrying about because even if uh, and i hope this happens putin is toppled by uh, someone from his inner circle and this could happen 
Russians will still uh, be the same people. And I know that Putin is saying about denazification of Ukraine, which is which doesn't make any sense because we have a president who is ethnic, you know, Jew, uh, and uh, and f- for years we had many people from, you know, uh, of Jewish ethnicity, ethnicity in our government. But at the same time, I'm thinking, what should we? How could we break this? Uh, um, these these imperial thoughts. And in these, the, yeah, this this way of seeing the world in Russians, and I don't have any answer. I don't know how to do this, and I think this is the source of this war because Putin is only exploiting these these feelings of general Russian public. When you look at your president, Stepan Berkel, I mean, he has absolutely united. I mean, even the guy that he beat out of that seat has said he's my president. So um, what do you see with um, President Zelensky and, and you know, what, what, what Ukraine is unifying behind him? I think we are lucky that he is our president during the times of war. Uh, and there are several reasons. First of all, he is not, uh, you know, your, gen- your uh, general political player. So he's just a person from, you know, not from politics and he's doing how he feels. So he uses his intuition uh, and he feels that he has to defend his country and to, has to defend his people. If we were having some another president who had a vast, like a big political experience, then he would use some instruments like talking uh, you know, maybe negotiating with Russia, maybe doing some steps that Russia would like. That's what we were having with uh, uh, Zelensky's predecessor. He was uh, playing with these Minsk agreements. He was trying to amend the constitution so that Russians would like it. And what it did, it only postponed uh, the war, which probably is okay from the tactical point of view. But we had just un- until last week, we had this great uh, threat that our constitution will be changed because Russians want it to be changed. And uh, uh, when you change your constitution under force from the outside, uh, basically you are uh, having this Trojan horse uh, headed to your city and it will destroy you from the inside. So I'm happy that, and, and I think people feel this, that because our president is not a you know doesn't have this experience of political games he's really straightforward and he's he doesn't want to play these uh, under uh, you know un, uh, under under carpet games and people feel that this is something that we were needing for 8 years because for 8 years we're saying there is no war uh, with Russia there are some re- there are some separatists on the east I mean, from the very beginning, our leadership was saying that there are separates on the uh, separatists on the east. For eight years, people were saying, from the for, I mean, politi- political elite were saying, uh, these are not occupied territories. They are, these are occupied. Uh, these are territories not controlled by the government. And these games were used to appease Russia. Uh, and I think this is um, uh, biggest uh, biggest deed that Zelensky did. He started saying exactly what is going on with no, you know, uh, with no words. I mean, with the words, how they, how people feel it. 
And that's why he got this support from people. And I think he felt that he has this support and this helps him fight this war. Stephen Berko is uh, has a background in paralegal. He's an advocacy manager now. And um, Stephen, it's, it's so insightful. Your words are very clear and insightful. It gives us a really amazing look into what's going on um, inside Ukraine. And I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing your time with us. I do hope we can connect again next week and, and get an update. And I certainly hope, um, and I mean this for this in the spirit of fun, that your, um, I, I love your mustache and I show it to everybody. It's the most handsome mustache. It's, Thank you. It is absolutely a, it's a, it's like a wonder. It's so fantastic. So, um, I really appreciate that. And thanks for sharing, um, that personal side about your family and your wife, what you're going through too. Yeah, no problem. Seven Birko in Ukraine. Uh, stay safe, my friend. This is the Shift Podcast. I have to admit that when I started on this show, I never would have thought about sneakers the way I do. Having a millennial as a friend is a very expensive endeavor. I will tell you that. It's very rewarding as well. Ryan O'Donnell uh, is here. I'm Shane Hewitt. And Shireen Edress is here to talk about sneakers. Now, why? Thank you to all the shiftheads, by the way, that have gone on our Facebook group at shiftheads.ca and posted about SneakerCon because you've been sharing that with us. So how about we get uh, some of the brain trust behind all of it to learn about it? Shireen, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me on too. This is amazing. So glad I can get to talk about SneakerCon. SneakerCon. What comes first here? Uh, The eBay or your sneaker habit? Because (laughs) it seems to me that I'm not sure that you're there to actually work. It seems to be that you might be there to um, uh, live into your, your your sneaker habits a little bit. I hope my boss is not hearing me right now, but I think you might be onto something. This is definitely, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I will say it is previous to my career, but I feel super lucky that I get to actually, you know, my passion is now my career has turned into my career. Every yeah. day I get to talk about sneakers. I get to be involved in sneakers. I would have done this anyway so now that i get to do it and and have it as my career is honestly something if you would have talked to 13 year old shireen about a career choice this would not have been on her radar that is for sure right well yeah don't tell the boss you would do it for free (laughs) (laughs) pro pro tip everybody keep that Um, on the low please (laughs) yeah we'll keep that on the down low so uh this is really cool for you um and i i just want to stay with that for one quick sec before we get into sneaker con how because there's so many people listening that wish they had dream jobs right um can you just share with me shireen like how rewarding is it truly to be able to just express yourself and live into your job because of the connection between ebay and sneakers and sneaker con like that's pretty lucky way to wake up in the morning can you just tell us how that is for you yeah, honestly, like I said, it it is a dream job. And for the most part, it doesn't feel like work, which I probably shouldn't be saying that as well on the radio and letting every my bosses know that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just feel that, you know, being involved in sneakers, even before my career, you know, the love of sneakers, the culture itself, I think that that really does lend into how I see this category and how I want to show up in this category as well. Um, You know, a lot of people see sneakers as a commodity, you know, flipping is a big word out there, obviously, in this realm. And 
there are a lot of flippers out there and obviously this is a big business for some but for some others who are collectors or you know who enjoy the stories that come along with sneakers i think that there's a really big part and that's sort of where i play into sneakers as well um it's my love of basketball it's my love of hip hop that just has transferred and obviously all those things coming together is sneaker culture to me so i think that you know all of those things, all of those likes, you know, just helps me in my career and helps me, you know, in this job and, and talking to, you know, the sneaker enthusiasts because I'm one of them. So, you know, I, I can put mm-hmm. myself in that spot. That's for sure. So eBay really created the global enterprise and, and culture around trading things, sneakers very much included. So fledgling back then. Really cool to see eBay get back into that. And I don't mean that eBay was out of it, but I mean, certainly wasn't a priority. This is, um, this really is a grand re-entrance into the, uh, the OG of online trading, if you will, uh, back into the, the OGs of sneakers with SneakerCon and what's going on. Help us understand the basics of, of the business and, and what eBay and SneakerCon, what it's all about. Of course. Yeah. And, and you're right. We are sort of cementing our spot back here as the OG in the sneaker market. You know, we've been doing this for, over 25 years, eBay has been around. And, you know, 25 years ago, when you're trying to find those hard to find Jordans, you were going to come to eBay to try to find them. And, you know, now we need to, you know, come back and, and, and you know, tell the consumers, we're, we've always been here and we are still here. But now we've, you know, last year we added another layer of trust into this trading and to, into the buying and selling um, you know, so now we introduce authenticity guarantee onto our platform where all sneakers over $100 for certain brands, were, they're sent to our authenticity guarantee center where they're vetted and verified to ensure that what the buyer has purchased, they are getting. So it eliminates all of that uncertainty, yeah. the unknowns, the rocks in a box, all of that is gone away with. Yeah. Yeah, and, and March 5th is the date for SneakerCon as it gets underway. Ryan, you can speak to that, being hesitant to buy online, huh? Oh, yeah, it's terrifying because most of the time, if you're going to pick uh, a shoe that you want, the price is going to be high. My the, the biggest sneaker purchase I've ever made, aside from trades, were for the Adidas Towley sneakers that came out last year. You uh, the, those? You know, the, nice. I did grab those. That was a $600 purchase. Six hundred dollars for those, but as a diehard South Park fan, I had. I was going to gonna say you have to be a South Park. Uh, yeah, fan. I had yep. to. Yes, yep. and so, but I was I was genuinely scared to spend that much money and to be scammed. But it was clear communication that you know uh, relieved some of the tension. So I guess so, Shireen. So this uh, this platform now this service of. Uh, uh, the legit check kind of idea, making sure the sneakers uh, are secure. Have you found that since that's been introduced, uh, that's kind of helped eBay get its foot back into the business more solidly? I definitely. I think that, like like I was saying, we are here 25 years doing this. But, you know, I would be, you know, remiss to say if there wasn't some shortfalls or that we didn't see a need in the market. And clearly we saw that need in the market because sneakers weren't going away. This is, 
sneakers have been around for, you know, since Michael Jordan started this whole fad out, you know, way back when. So, you know, we knew that there was a need in this market for that legit check. We saw, we knew that, that we had to play in there. And so, you know, for us, being in the being in this marketplace, we wanted our customers and our buyers and sellers to feel that they had a place where it could be trusted on both ends. And now we are here for both buyers and sellers and not just for the buyers to ensure that they're getting the right thing. But we're also here for our sellers to ensure a very smooth experience and that they don't have any of these hiccups selling their items to, you know, to people out there. For those who don't know, Shireen, what is SneakerCon? So <laughs> SneakerCon is probably the largest and probably one of the most fun cultural shows uh, out there for us. So really, um, SneakerCon, they're in the business of community, right? And so is eBay. We are about bringing communities together. And SneakerCon is about bringing the sneakerhead community together and really nurturing that passionate community with exclusive drops and, you know, great giveaways. And so really, you know, what you're going to find at SneakerCon is a bunch of networking. You'll find some more sneakerheads that you can relate to. You'll There's buying, selling, trading. There's everything for, from that is hot in pop culture right now will be there. Hmm. It's amazing. Um, so Ryan's had a negative influence on my wallet, but a positive influence on my feet. And, uh, and thank you, Ryan. I've, I've, <laughs> my pleasure. It's my duty. <laughs> it is. Ryan has taken this on as his responsibility <laughs> in life. The, uh, but that being said, you know, all, all things aside, I mean, is eBay going to start connecting the wires between things like new balance, you know, um, you know, new balance shoes for, for dads and cargo shorts or something like this could be a real opportunity for eBay oh. to start being like, have you considered, um, these, um, you know, some crispy white boys and, and some cargo, <laughs> cargo shorts to put it all together in Are your you cart. Telling us what you would like. <laughs> no, actually, okay, I don't wear the new balance. Well, Ryan's, I was wondering, Ryan, um, Ryan is that, this kind of his get up or this <laughs> what he's asking no, for? No, that's not what I mean. Ryan's, <laughs> Ryan's been pushing me the other way, but he's saying that that's even the sneaker culture has really sort of expanded into that dad culture too. I can tell you that like sneaker culture is, there are so many pockets in sneaker culture as well. Like there, as, as much as I say, like I lend to hip hop, but when you look at skateboarding, it's a huge other, you know, play in the sneaker culture there where skateboarding came involved in that as well. So, you know, dad shoes is just another extension of this where, you know, you have your new balance and your sock and coming out with those great, you know, kind of new balance, well, kind of like the dad shoes, but, you know, with a spin on it. But now, you know, you're talking about now collaborations with some designers too on those sneakers, which are adding another element to them. So it just keeps evolving. Sneakers keeps evolving just right along with fashion. So it's it's tough to to keep up, but also, you know, it's also fun to keep up at the same time. Okay. I have to ask you both. What's your favorite pair of sneakers? I think you should probably share them and because I want to see the look on it. I realize this is radio, so the medium escapes us, but I want to see the look on each other's faces when you all share what uh, Shireen and Ryan, what your, your favorite pair of shoes are. Shireen, why don't you go first? You must have a favorite pair. It's probably like asking what's your favorite child, but let's be honest, we all have a favorite child. So um, what's, uh, what is your hearing. favorite shoe? <laughs> <laughs> this is not going well for you so far. Is <laughs> so it? far, I'm really <laughs> digging myself a hole here. <laughs> so I'm going to say right now, um, my favorite is definitely the Amemaniere Jordan ones. I will have to say thus that right now is for sure my favorite. 
if you asked me last year, I would have said the MM in year threes were my favorite last year. But since I've gotten the ones, I will definitely say I'll be wearing those a lot. You'll probably see me at SneakerCon with those ones on too, because those are my favorite shoes right now. Yeah, see, now I have no idea what that means. So, they're, Ryan, I'll let you go next. Well, they're directly above her head right now, both of them. The one on the left and the you one can right pick above them out of the wall, though. That's I, the funny yeah, part. Yeah, I know. Ryan's which good. they are stunning. <laughs> they are a stunning pair of shoe. And it's, it's cool because that particular pair is uh, both of them are a tribute to the designer's mom. And uh, I find that recently, uh, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite sneaker in a second, but Shereen, I'm curious, have you noticed that I've definitely seen this as a consumer, that women's role in the industry is getting more attention and more support? Like Jordan is making incredible colorways and designs for exclusive shoes for women. Women's sizing seems to be more accessible. It seems like as the industry is growing into this billion-dollar venture, that its accessibility is getting also better. Uh, I will have to agree and disagree, I guess, twofold mm-hmm. to that. I will say you're right there. It seems as though there is some more focus on women, which I certainly do appreciate, especially when it comes to um, MM and Year, how they did their drops, you know, which are really focused on women, giving women the opportunity to get the sneaker first, mm-hmm. which I really um, loved about that too. But also, you know, giving us women sizing first as well, you know, MM and Year actually is giving that, that three was in women's sizing and, you know, men now trying to get their hands on the sneaker, you know, they were having the trouble, but I will say that that sizing issue is still going on. It, yeah. it's still boggles my mind in 2022 that when they say family sizing, it goes men's grade school, children. <laughs> I, there's something missing in the family. Mm-hmm. And I wish there wasn't the case because I am a six and a half youth, but I can tell you that my foot does not look like a child who wears a six and a half sneaker. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I wish that they would change that. That is one thing, you know, as a woman in this, in this industry who loves sneakers itself, that I wish that I could have the Jordan one that's dropped in my size, you know, the one that the brotherhoods were just dropped the other day, but they didn't come out in a women's eight. I have to go buy a men's or a youth six and a half where to me that again, where's the equality, right? It always, there's a feeling of being left out and that is never a nice feeling for anybody. Well, but then add the layer on top of that, that the amount, some of these companies, the amount of allotted inventory that they supply to Canada is grossly limited at times too. Like if you don't get the way that the industry typically works is pre-purchase, right? Like stores will be pre-buying their inventory six months in advance. They get produced, they go to the stores. So if you wanted to order something and get it at last minute, you can't really get a lot of the things in Canada. So then you've got to buy it out of the States. Then you're paying a premium plus the shipping, plus the duty and everything else. And you're not just going and getting them. So if you add the ladies sizing conversation, and then you add the layer of a lack of available inventory for Canada, it really becomes difficult. It it does make sense why eBay can be such an access point to get shoes, but it kind of would be nice if, you know, it wasn't for that reason, if it was just for the fanaticism and the love of that sneaker. Yeah. I mean, it really is unfortunate that we can't have access to everything. But with that said, we do have platforms like eBay that can give you access to global markets. We are talking sneakers from all over the world now you can access. It's not just sneakers from here in Canada or from the U.S. You know, now we're talking Australia and Germany and the U.K. and all the other places where, you know, eBay is that now you have access to sneakers from 
all of those parts of the world too, which is amazing. That's just, man, that just opens up a whole other avenue of a whole other closet mm-hmm. that needs to be made for my sneakers. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you, you guys are here. Cause um, as opposed to Adidas, I'd probably order online and get some Adidas or something from some country somewhere that it's not quite the right is, thing or yeah. it's got like six stripes on it or something. I don't know. It's a good <laughs> the, thing. The jump man has a bit of a belly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. That it's totally different shaped. That's what I would look like if I could jump and split my legs like that um, and not break a bone on the way down again. That's what I would look like for the for the jump, man. Um, Thanks so much for being here, Shireen. I really appreciate it. Oh, this has been amazing. Um, It's been so much fun talking about sneakers like I I like to do all the time. don't tell the boss. Um, good luck with uh, SneakerCon. Ryan, we'll get those details coming up next. Uh, next, Really nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. Oh, you guys as well. Thank you so much. SneakerCon this weekend, Ryan. Mm-hmm. You bet it is. And I'm really jealous that I'm not there. It is this weekend, starting March 5th at the Vancouver Convention Center. If you are there, this is an amazing opportunity to go and buy shoes. If you're curious, you can just see the uh, insane important culture and everything into it like there will be thousands of pairs of shoes and i guarantee you that if you go you can look at a pair of shoes that are worth more than your car thanks for listening to the shift podcast make sure you subscribe rate and review the show and share with anyone you like get it on apple podcast google podcast spotify and curiouscast.ca 